Hey, everybody. I'm super excited you decided to listen to this episode of the podcast. I think it's one of my favorites so far. Um, this guest I've been looking forward to having on for quite some time. Um, he ran for the governor of New York in 2018, the first election I actually voted in, um, and he ran under the Libertarian Party. Um, not only that, um, he's extremely insightful and extremely intelligent, has some great ideas about libertarianism. He's also been on the Joe Rogan podcast and the Rubin Report with Dave Rubin. He's been all over the place um, kind of uh, sharing his ideas and stuff, and I got to tackle... Um, uh, I got to tackle the topic of why it is that creatives like artists and musicians aren't libertarian and why they should be. And so we kind of dive deep into that. But regardless, whether or not you're an artist or you run in those kind of realms, I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. And I absolutely had a great time. And so without further ado, here's my interview with Mr. Larry Sharp. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Pardon Will podcast. I am extremely excited today to have Mr. Larry Sharp. Um, from the Sharp Way on the podcast. Um, so I know I know some things about you, but one thing I particularly know about you, but you start off, well, I don't know if you start off this way, but you're an entrepreneur, you're a business consultant, you're a fellow podcaster. But um, from where I know you is you ran for the governorship of New York in 2018 under the Libertarian Party. Um, yep. And I'm super excited because I, that was actually, I was 33 and that was the first time I ever voted in my life. And I specifically voted in that. I know it's a little bit late bloomer. Um, specifically, no, voted, I'm happy. <laughs> I specifically voted for uh, in this because I was like, you know, I'm, time to grow up. I have a few views on on uh, on that idea of being like, do you vote if you don't know anything? And before that, I didn't really know politics at all, and so I never felt the responsibility on me because I was like, I'm I don't want to be an uninformed. I voter. love what you're saying, and I'm one of the weirdos who. When I say I want you to vote, I don't care who you vote for. Yeah. I actually mean that. Most people, when they say you got to get out there and vote, they mean you got to vote for my guy or my gal. Absolutely. That's what they mean. Yeah. I don't mean that because I'm a libertarian. I'm third party. And you've just, you're exactly my point. I can't get you to vote for me if you're not voting. I can't yeah. get you to see that I have value if you don't vote. Because once you vote, that's when you start paying attention, right? When you mm -hmm. do vote, you go, why did I vote for him or her? Okay, <laughs> did that make sense? What should I have done? And that's why I am really about people voting. I hope they vote for the people that I want them to vote for. Of course I do. Yeah. But I can't get them to move to my side if I don't get them involved. So I would rather them come out and vote for the other guy or the other gal first, then hopefully I can turn them. Uh, I'm agreed. glad you voted on, on, <laughs> on our uh, ticket first. Thank you. Yeah. No, well, I mean, my pleasure's all mine. It was the first time, um, because I registered, it was the first time I ever registered to vote and I registered as an independent and I've always, it was the first time I started dipping into politics and kind of seeing both sides. And, um, I come from Texas, but I live in New York. So I know a lot of, you know, my family's Republican, but a lot of my friends are Democrat and they, they kind of veer off the span. So I found myself, you went the opposite direction. Everybody else is going the opposite way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was kind of one of the things I want to talk to you about is because I found myself as a – I work construction as well, and so I've, I've been, I'm in these trades, but I'm also an artist, so I, I run the art scene. So um, I've constantly found myself what people say is you know, in the center, you know, partyless, without without a, the main tribes yep. going on. And um, and I always found that that neat. Like it's kind of – I grew up, you know, punk rock in a punk rock band. Like I wanted to be the thing that no one else was, um, and I always – the Libertarian Party seemed to run into that that gamut. Um, but the thing I didn't vote for, vote for, even when I was in the punk band and we were like, this is in the Bush era and, and every punk band was like, you know, anti-Bush and anti-war um, and those things. But even then I didn't really vote because it didn't really seem like it was something something that really concerned me at the time. I'd rather just write music kind of thing. Um, but then as I got older, I was like, you know, maybe I should step up and be an adult and participate in this thing we call society. Um Got to start adulting. Yeah, but the thing the thing I ran into is immediately when I told people I was registered to vote, I was voting this year, um, I got a lot of flack for being libertarian um, because I was, yeah. quote, unquote, giving my vote away. Um, I get that all the time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I have some harsh feelings about that. But why do you think – I mean, I, you probably have answered this question multiple times. But why do you think people – All the time. What, and I have my own beliefs of why I do the things I do and why I think other people can and should – um, but what do you think that is? What do you think? I mean, obviously, the, you know. If no, the, the, the issue here is people are concerned about the short term. And I get it. It makes yeah. sense, right? 
we have to stop this guy now. We yeah. have to stop this gal now, or, you know, we need change today or whatever the case may be. And I get it. There's a sense of urgency, a sense of purpose. So of course people rush towards it, right? Yeah. Trump is going to save the world. Trump is going to kill us all, right? Yeah. Very. It's a very easy, you know, I can jump on one side or the other, you know, and, and move forward. When it comes to third parties, because the system is set up against us, we are a long-term solution. I began, you know, pushing actively to run and to make impact in 2016. I became a libertarian in 2012. Okay. But I started running in 2016 and I had a 10-year plan. I still have it. It's a 10-year plan. So I hope by 2026 for us to have federal representation, you know, by 2026. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've said it openly. I've been talking that way. It's not a five-minute, you know, solution. Yeah. Why does that matter? Because when people got mad at me last year when I didn't um, either go, you know, Trump is our savior or Trump is evil. I didn't do either of those things. Yeah. Um, I don't hate Trump. I don't love Trump. I don't hate Biden. I don't love Biden. Um, because in my view, all they do is lean the country one way for a short period of time as it still keeps going towards the same thing. Yeah. Right. So even if you think, well, Biden's better than Trump or Trump's better than Biden. Okay. In four years, we get the other guy back. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, don't forget this. Bush gave us Obama. Obama gave us Trump. Trump gave us Biden. That's how the game is played. Yeah. It's been playing that way forever. So did it really matter if Trump or Biden was president? If you ask most Americans, absolutely yes, the world was going to end or the world is ending. Yeah. One of the two is true. And neither of those is true. Yeah. The reality of, of it was no one, no one's individual life, family, anything has been affected any better or worse since Biden is in. Not really. I mean, maybe we got checks, but we probably got checks with, with Trump too, right? Yeah. Um, okay, maybe we're not bombing Syria with Trump. But maybe wait four more years and then Biden wins and then we bomb Syria. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, either way, we were going to bomb Syria. The question is, are we bombing it this year or in 2025? <laughs> but we're yeah. still bombing Syria. So, yeah. I mean, all those things are still happening, right? So, I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal and not one person can fix it. But can we make a, a, a shift into a third party? And here's why I'll say this. And it's the, the biggest issue I have over everything else. All right. So, if you're a, if you're a progressive, you beat Trump. Awesome. Good for you. And if you're progressive, you're probably happy about that. Awesome. Good on you. But if you beat Trump, did you stop the right? Did you heal the country? No. 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 What if Trump had won instead of Biden? Well, then if you were conservative, you'd be happy. Yay, we won again and we beat the evil Biden. Okay, great. But would you have stopped progressivism? Would you have stopped the left? No. The problem is we're not uniting. All we're doing is digging things deeper. So how do you break that? And this is from consultant, this is from marriage counseling, this is from anything, therapy, whenever you have two sides that are dug in deep, you have to have a mediator. Yeah. That's how that works. There's no way around it. You have to have a mediator. Libertarians are by default the mediator. Why? Because we are the only group of people who will say, you can be as liberal or as conservative as you want to be, just don't force your view on others. You don't have to convert to be one of us. You can just be one of us. There are people who are super liberal and, and and just go, well, I don't want government to enforce my will upon others. Libertarian. People are super conservative. I just want to be left alone. Great. You're libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll take you. And if you notice the Libertarian Party in general, you will find that in general, Libertarian Party leans the opposite of whatever the government is. So the, the New York Libertarian Party, which is obviously a very blue state, leans red. Yeah. If you look at Oklahoma, a very red state, it leans blue. We lean the opposite because we are the ones fighting for the uh, for the guy who's being oppressed. Yeah. If you live in Oklahoma, Democrats are oppressed. You live in New York State, Republicans are oppressed. So we support the people who are being oppressed. Yeah. We're for the little guy. That's what we do. And I think that's how we can begin to heal the nation. And how do I, let me give you an example that's actually happening. If you look last year, Death of George Floyd. George Floyd dies. The left yells, defund the police. The right yells, back the blue, and no change. Yeah. And we dig in deeper, right? The, the left finds reasons to call every cop racist. The right finds reasons to call every guy who shot evil, and nothing, nothing is, is healed. But one person, we had one libertarian congress, uh, congressperson last year, Justin Amash. He was the only libertarian in Congress last year, last summer. He actually had a plan. He said, how about we start with ending qualified immunity. And that will begin the conversation yeah. on 
actual police reform, right? Not defunding them, but reforming them. Yeah. And if you're unhappy, then you should reform your police force. So, of course, he's one guy. So he can't just go, I'm passing a law. What does he have to do by default? He has to talk to Democrats and Republicans. And he did. And he had Democrats back his bill and Republicans back his bill. And, he be and it became the first tripartisan bill in the history of the United States. The first one ever he did that. Now, of course, the Democrat Pelosi and Republican McConnell wouldn't put it up for vote. Of course not. But at least he did that. What does that mean? That means that when there's a problem, left and right, it's in their best interest to simply politicize it yeah. and yell at the other. But libertarians in their best interest to actually fix it and cross both sides of the aisle. If you're a Democrat and you cross the aisle and talk to a Republican, you lose your job. You're Republican, you cross the aisle and talk to a Democrat, lose your job. You're Libertarian, you must. Just imagine if you would right now, three Libertarians in our Senate. Yeah. No. Just three. <laughs> yeah, we run the Senate. Yeah, yeah. We run the Senate. It will be because easy. we're the swing vote. Yeah. I actually, I think that's smart. And here's something I've noticed recently as well. Um, and, and because I, I get multiple different news outlets uh, that are alternative news or whatever. Um, so I can hear, you know, Ben Shapiro say Biden is literally the worst and he's destroying the America. But then I'll listen to Jimmy Dore going, Biden is just a conservative. And it's just, it's weird because if you look at the same thing, we're like, well, what did Biden do that's destroying America? He's literally doing the same thing Trump did uh, as far as, he's even talking about building the wall again, if I'm not mistaken. Or, like, he's already building it. He, he, I just did a show on this. He is literally using eminent domain to take people's land, yeah. just what Trump did, and to build the wall. And, yes. But I keep running into the same thing where people are like, this, is, this person's evil, but no, this person's evil. Now, I go, but if you would step back a minute, they're kind of the same. Like, there's not that much different going up now. No, as far as rhetoric that comes out of the mouth or the story, the narrative that's coming. Bingo. Totally yes. different. Now it shows these people yes. are the opposite. They're it's good and evil fighting depending on where you are. But if you if you stand back, you've hit the second, point. That's not it. Yeah. You've hit the point that most people don't get. Politics is far more emotional than it is logical. Oh, absolutely. And, and most people, yes, yeah. most people think well, these policies are good or bad. The average American doesn't even know. Yeah, they true. just go, they just go. Well, the the stuff that Trump said lands better with me, or the Trump that Biden said lands better with me. So I'm gonna vote for that person because. And you got to get as of last year, not this year, but last year, Democratic rhetoric was much better. It was about mm -hmm. unity and healing and equality and equity and everybody gets food and everybody gets this free college. I mean, that's great rhetoric. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's amazing rhetoric. And so if you're not paying attention, well, wow, I like these guys. They're going to be nice and equal and give me free stuff. I, I should vote for these guys. Makes total sense, right? It was they had better rhetoric. Now, now when it comes to governing. They're not much different, and I don't see any unity, right? I don't yeah. see any of the stuff they said. No, no, no. But the, but the rhetoric was good. It was nice. Now, Republicans are having decent rhetoric because the Democrats are becoming so strong, they're becoming alienating. Yeah. Democrats are now alienating everybody. You, If you were not exactly in lockstep with them, they are starting to attack you, call you names. Now the Democrats are in power, their rhetoric has changed. It's much more aggressive than pushing people away. It's almost like... They're purposefully not trying to dominate. They want to break it at about 50-50 forever. Yeah. They want that 50-50 to stay. Have you ever seen the classic Star Trek from the 60s? Uh, no. <laughs> I have a, okay, uh, no I'm worries. A, I'm a Star Wars guy. That's why I'm asking. A lot of people haven't. Yeah. But if anyone's ever seen a classic Star Trek from the 60s, there was an episode um, with Captain Kirk and Spock and the old 1960s Star Trek crew where they, they go out into space and some alien – attacks a Klingon ship. Uh, stick with me. Stay with me on this. Yeah, no, I'm totally with That's the Klingon ship. And then uh, somehow they have a, like an explodes and only like 24 of them survive. So as survivors, the Enterprise takes these 24 Klingons on as survivors of this crashed ship, right? Yeah. But they're enemies. They want to fight each other and they can't stand each other. Then somehow this alien goes on, a, on the uh, Enterprise ship and locks away like 400 crew members, and it's exactly 24 Federation people and 24 Klingon people, and the alien takes his alien magic and takes all the phaser weapons and turns them into swords. Yeah. Now they gotta fight each other and hack each other up, and they're fighting back and forth, and then the, the alien uses his alien magic, and now the ship is, is flying off at like warp nine out into deep space. And they're like, what's going on? And they realize what this alien has done it lives off of anger and hate. That's how it eats. That's its food. So it created a farm. 
It created a farm, two people of equal amount to fight each other brutally in perpetuity so that it could constantly feed itself. Yeah. I would say our current government uh, is exactly the same. It has created a, a, particularly the media, a media has particularly created a farm to where it can feed itself constantly over our hate and our division. And only libertarians can break that. I, well, I absolutely agree. But the thing that I don't understand is I don't – it's hard for me unless there is some weird um, hypnosis in the entire country. It's hard for me if I was you know, in the Senate as a Democrat or Republican to not step back and go, okay, this thing that we're perpetrating is steadily moving faster and more aggressive in the opposite directions, creating this gap. Now, I know I, the only thing I think is I feel like if, if I was in that seat, I would say the ball is already rolling downhill. So somebody, something yeah. bad's going to happen, and we need to be on top of that. So if we give up and go, we start leaning more libertarian, we're going to lose our seats, and then we're automatically out of power. We're cast, you know, we're cast to the oceans. Um, and I think they're yeah. both doing that. But the problem is if you don't stop um, this gap in the center between them, I don't, I don't know because the media doesn't really show that. They don't really give this nuanced version of an American who is sitting back going, Never. hold on a second. I kind of agree with this part, but I don't. But I agree with this. But it's almost as if that person doesn't exist. And I would guarantee – that's why I'm a libertarian. I would guarantee most people fall in the center and, every, and everyone stand yes. back going, okay, this train's derailing. That train's derailing. Um, and one of them has to come out on the better side. And this is what I think – this is what I think about libertarianism. And tell me what your thoughts are on this. I think when it comes to policy, a lot of people vote on policy, um, but I don't think it's all about policy because there's a lot of people, um, I know a lot of people who are like, Trump is sent from God. I'm like, but have you seen his track record? Are you are you positively sure he is the anointed savior of America? And, and I get this feeling like um, all the bad things you kind of just shove away and all the good things are like, this is the only thing I'm focusing on. And I think that's a sense of... Um, almost a sense of like traumatic disarray. You don't want your, your worldview to be tipped upside down. And I think that creates people who are Democratic further into the Democratic side and people who are Republican further into the Republican side. And they're all kind of like putting their heels in the ground. And what that makes me nervous is, is, um, is that that doesn't, that that's uh, that doesn't even qualify for policy anymore. You're you're not voting for policy. You're not voting for change. You're only voting for color of the tribe. Like you're only voting for this. And what I like about libertarianism because because of the argument of being you're throwing away your vote, um, that whole thing. I actually got told that, and and I stepped back and I was like, hold on, that's not true. Um, because you might be playing a football game and you got two teams going against it, but I'm playing chess. And I think even if I vote and my vote doesn't count this year and I do it again next year and the next two years and the next two years and the next two years, um, eventually people are going to be like, hey, how come this Libertarian Party is growing and growing? So, no, I'm not going to win this one, but I'm going to win it 10 years down the line. And but, that's going to be the best part. But there's, there's a, there are several points. You, you brought up a lot. Let me, let me touch the last I, I one I just first. ran into it. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. Let me touch the last one first. You can win without winning. And what do I mean by that? When I ran for, for governor – I only got 2% of the vote. Now, that wasn't a lot. It was the most we'd ever gotten in the state, and yeah. we got ballot access. So for libertarians, that was a lot. Yeah. For the rest of the state, it was another loser. They didn't care. They didn't, they didn't care at all. I get that. But imagine if I had gotten 10%, not 2, yeah. 10. I still lose. I still come in third, right? It's not all of a sudden anything changes, except for one thing. The media and the average American looks at those number of votes as valid. Yeah. That's what matters. It's a cultural issue. So if I get 2%, New Yorkers go, another loser, next, and move on. If I get 10 15%, they go, holy crap, who's this Larry Sharp guy? Yeah. And now, instead of only being on your podcast, I'm on your podcast now, and then I'm on ABC News three hours from now. Yeah. And then I'm on CNN tomorrow. Then I'm back on another podcast week after, and then I'm back on Fox News, or I'm back on The Blaze, and I'm popping everywhere that I could possibly pop because now I'm more valid. Yeah. In today's world, popularity matters, not policy, not power, not popularity yeah. is what matters. Who can get the most eyeballs? So I can win, if that makes sense, win without having to win the governorship. I have to get a big enough percentage to where the, the big media pieces go, this guy's a player, we got to talk to him. Because, not because they care about what I have to say, because they don't. Yeah. But because they know that people will watch me, and then that gives them more eyeballs, right? Yeah. Right now, someone goes, Larry Sharp, 2%. If I put him on my show, do I get you know a million eyeballs? Probably not. 
if I put Yang on my show, who has no policy and, and as much experience as me, if not less, um, will I get the main eyeballs? Yes. Yeah. By the way, who also lost yeah. and didn't get more than 2% of the vote. Yeah. But they'll put him on, not be- because they, they see him as being popular and getting eyeballs. Yeah. So if more people have voted for me, let's say I got 10% of the vote. People might say, well, that's a wasted vote. No, it isn't. What would happen is Cuomo is still our governor either way. Yeah. Right? You haven't changed that. That's true. But what did you do? You now got me into the media talking about things. And more importantly, when a Republican attacks Cuomo, it means nothing. They expect him to. Yeah. There's no value in that attack, right? It's like a dog chasing a cat. They're supposed to. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't exactly. mean anything. Yeah. And when Cuomo ignores him or yells back at them, he's supposed to. There's a man of value. But when I'm the third party going, yeah, he's bad, people actually listen. Yeah. They go, wait a minute. You li- yeah, I'm saying he's bad, too. It isn't just the Republicans who are supposed to say he's bad. It's me, too. I'm saying he's bad also. Yeah. And I think that's what we can win and why the voting does matter, even if the, the candidate doesn't win. They become more valid in, in our culture, and then a message gets out for the next person to win. Hey, guys. I don't know if you know this, um, but not only am I a podcaster, but I'm also an artist and a pretty decent one at that, if I might say so. And if you were like, you know what? I don't believe this guy. I don't think he's that good of an artist. Um, you can go check out my work at etsy.com slash shop slash pardon will. And then when you're convinced, you can also purchase all my artwork there. Now, it's not just you know original artwork. There's also prints and you can change sizes. So you're like, you know, I like this piece, but I don't want it too big. I want it this way or whatever. Um, you can go there and peruse my entire category that I have for sale. Um, and everything starting from like $5 and up all the way sky's the limit. So if you're like, you know what, um, not only do I want to judge this guy's voice and his attitude, I want to judge his art as well. You can go there. Um, and if you can't find that, you know, that's not your thing. You can also go to my website, pardonwill.com. But, um, if you're, uh, wanting to check it out and want to buy a piece of art and you go to the Etsy, um, use promo code podcast and that'll get you 10% off. And that's my way of saying Thanks for listening, um, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I hope you enjoy my art, um, and that is just for you. So if you're listening to the podcast, you want to check it out, go to etsy.com slash shop slash pardonwill. Use promo code podcast, get 10% off. Um, you won't regret it. You also mentioned the idea of you know, voting for the right team. You're 100% correct, right? I'm a Yankee fan, born and raised in New York City, raised in the Bronx, across from Yankee Stadium as a little kid. Huge Yankee fan from the 70s and 80s. Loved them to death. Um, I don't care who the who the uh, manager is. I like the Yankees. Exactly. Yeah. I don't care who's on the team. I like the Yankees. I don't care if the Yankees win a championship or are in the cellar. I like the Yankees. It doesn't matter. I'm a Yankee fan. It is irrelevant what they do, how they act. It's irrelevant who's on the team. Yeah. doesn't matter, right? It's like a, if I'm a Catholic, I, I listen to the Pope. It doesn't matter who the Pope is. I, I'm still Catholic. It doesn't matter. I yeah. mean, I'm not Catholic, but yeah. if you are Catholic, right? That's what you do. Same idea. And I think that's where they are now. So I'll make an exception. The reason, it, when it comes to left-right politics, why do they not create policy? Because it doesn't matter. The entire po- the entire campaign is, I'm not the other. Yeah, That's what it is, right? Biden's entire campaign was, I'm not Trump. That was the whole campaign. Yeah. What about foreign policy? I'm not Trump. What about uh, you know economic policy? Did I tell you I'm not Trump? What about domestic policy? I don't know if I told you, I'm not Trump. That was his entire policy. And it worked. And that works all over. I'm not blaming Biden for that. That's the system. And it works everywhere. I'm not the other. Therefore, vote for me. Now, if you all of a sudden have two, three, four parties, then you can't just go not the other. Because now if I'm scared of this guy, David, this guy's scary. I never want this guy. I don't automatically vote for Larry Sharp because also Jane Doe's out there. Yeah, yeah. So they might vote Jane Doe. So I can't just have my campaign on how evil David is. It doesn't, it is, the votes might go someplace else. I have to have my own policies. Also third party, they ignore you unless you have good ideas. Mm-hmm. If you are running as a third party, you have to have good ideas. And I had a bazillion of them. That's why I got as far as I got. That's why I got on Joe Rogan. That's why I got on Dave Rubin. That's why I got on those shows because I had interesting ideas. Yeah, absolutely. It was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. If you're a third party, you must have policy, 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 not because the policy will be enacted, but because it makes something interesting to talk about, which draws an audience. I know this sounds horrible, but I'm going <laughs> to let your, your audience know something. 
All that matters in politics or anything else is how many eyeballs can you draw? That's it. Yeah. Whether you actually help people, secondary. Whether your policies work, secondary. I hope they work and I hope you help people. But in our game, the game of politics, it's secondary. It's how many eyeballs can you draw? That's what matters more than anything. Which is why I bug people about making, making themselves and making me and the libertarians making us more popular. So one of the reasons why I go on every podcast I possibly can is even anywhere liberty-leaning. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm hoping that I can do my part to make every libertarian a bit more popular, a bit more famous. And eventually one of us is going to explode and be the next libertarian Joe Rogan. Yeah, Hopefully yeah. it's you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope it's you. I don't know if I want that. But it's going to be one of us. <laughs> that sounds that sounds pretty uh, pretty extensive on the work end of it. Um, I, I totally agree. And I think my th the thing that, that gives me as much hope as it does is um, where it seems bad that, you know, the right and the left are moving further right and left. Um, that whole gap that they're leaving is only going to get bigger. And that's why yeah. I, I totally agree. We're like, well, you know, there's only a few libertarians out there. But there is a big audience, and if you can just get a few eyes on it, I mean, that's one of the reasons why. I'm, so most of my audience are artists and musicians, and they all tend to yep. lean left. And I, I had a question about that because I have a few theories upon that. Artists tend to be very empathetic. Um, they're very, they're yep. very emotional people, and so it makes sense that they lean more to the Democratic Party, where they're, you know, we're trying to help people out. Where conservatives are anyone who is there. going to be a good artist, what a good artist does, and yours, as you know, this what a good artist does is they create emotion. That's mm -hmm. what they do well. Yeah. If you don't create emotion well, you're not going to be a good artist. If you can't project happiness or sadness or fear, or any, if you can't project that emotion, whether that art is physical art, music, acting, whatever your art is, if you can't project emotion well, you're not going to be a good artist. Yeah, so the best artists... Correct. Yeah. Yes. That's what artists do, right? That's their that's their skill set. I feel or see or I somehow interact with the work they're doing and I it draws an emotion out, whatever that emotion is. Mm -hmm. And if if they're really good artists, that emotion stays. It's not it's not fleeting shock. Yeah, yeah. It's an emotion that stays, right? You do that. You're a good artist. So of course, yeah. they're going to lean left. It makes total sense. Well, the other well, the problem is with that, even though they do lean left, artists, have, even in the past, have always been the people who push the the cultural boundaries of what's acceptable yeah. and what's not, which makes sense that it would veer against, you know, the Republican Party. We're very conservative. Like, this is how it is. Don't, you know, think outside these lines. Um, but what we've seen now is that has shifted in both directions. Neither one of them are really pushing any boundaries. I mean, they're pushing boundaries of thought, but not in the aspect of, of stifling any kind of like it's, you can push the boundaries as long as they're my boundaries in the direction we're going, mm -hmm. which, which yep. as far as a libertarian goes, it surprises me on two fronts. Why most artists aren't libertarian. Number one is the boundaries thing. Like you can't tell me what I can and cannot paint or what songs I can and cannot write about. That's a libertarian. That's if I want to write about 100%. Jesus or if I want to write about, um, you know, socialism, I should be able to do both without and do 100%. it freely. But the other thing is, and this is what blows my mind because I've had this conversation before with another artist who is an activist and a uh, democratic socialist. Um, and un under disguise before the interview, um, she said something, you know, like, I don't like the capitalist society. And I said, hold on a second. I've got a gallery and I'm an artist. The only way I'm going to make it is, is if I'm allowed to do what I do, even because we're all gig workers. I was like, I don't want the government to give me a check to create good art. I'm not going to make good art. I was like, the really free capitalist society, a free capitalist society is what thrives in the artist community. You don't want yes. artists just getting, you don't want it to hand out. But I mean, I understand like the UBI and we're like, well, imagine if you could just quit No, no, I, I will give you an day. example of that working right now. Yeah. In Japan right now, they have people who are called national treasures. Mm -hmm. If any of your audience cares about that, you can do your homework on that. Okay. The people are called national treasures. What these people do is they do traditional Japanese art, yeah. right? from the old Jomon period, the Yayoi period, back in the ancient days of before there even was a Japan and pottery and such, and up to sword making and armor making and everything in between, right? Yeah, and the yeah. government literally pays them a stipend every year to do that. Whether people buy it or not, they get a check. What do they create? The same old thing. Yeah, the same They thing. create what the government tells them to create. These artists aren't making magical new stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're making the same stuff that their grandfathers made and their grandfathers or grandmothers, not always, I'm sorry, grandmothers, grandfathers made, grandparents made. You know, they've been, they're doing exactly the same thing and that's all they're doing. Yeah. But you want to look at 
who's making the, the most, the art that's pushing the boundaries, whether you like it or not, it is those that are in the commercial sphere. Yeah. Those who are either doing things for eyeballs on YouTube mm -hmm. or those who are going to gallery where, where they get paid millions of dollars to show up. Yeah. That's where the, the boundaries are actually being pushed. And if you can get your own, and we're seeing it in art, again, YouTube is another example of what you're seeing right now. You, you're right now, as we speak, you're creating your own art. Yeah, absolutely. And if people support you with Patreon or whatever is your way of being supported, whatever you're using, if you get supported by that, that's the capitalist system. It is. It's voluntary. And they're saying people respect your art or they don't. Yeah. And if they don't respect your art, Maybe you're failing. Yeah, I agree. I think right? I think that's also and part of me is part of me is torn between that idea of like, um, if you're not good at art, you're not gonna do well. You need to at least find that, but that that the failure in that is also gonna put if I'm a bad podcaster, I'm gonna start changing if I, all of my podcasts are with artists. Well, maybe I should move let's try musicians. Let's try moving into, you know, the mental health realm or or politics. Let's do that. Because I mean, while my audience is great for artists, not everyone's an artist. But everyone can connect if it's a multiple array um, of different topics. Yeah, but there's something else, though, here, right? If the capital system works well, which is what we see happening, yeah. right? What actually begins to happen is people become specialists. Mm -hmm. So now, right, there's an artist, and she's an amazing, I'm going to make this up as a of art, but she's an amazing singer. Okay. She sings amazing songs that move people to tears yeah. because she's so good at that. Awesome, but she can't sell it because she's a crappy salesperson. Mm -hmm. Great singer, crappy salesperson. Well, I don't want her to all of a sudden become a salesperson. But you know what will happen? There'll be people who will be like, I'll move your stuff for you. Exactly. It's called it's called maybe Spotify yeah. or maybe it's, you know, whatever is the, the, the cool thing of the day. Put yourself on this thing. Or there'll be a consultant who'll come by and go, I'll move your stuff for you. I'll take a cut and I'll move it for a bazillion dollars or whatever. Yeah. So you want to find it, make you want to you find out that that winds up happening. Because if there is all that talent out there, somebody wants to make a buck on it who's not a good singer, yeah, right? Absolutely. Maybe I'm a terrible singer, but man, can I sell some singing? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to sell the singers and everybody's happy. Yeah, that's also job creation. You're actually, instead of yes. just getting paid by the government to do your skill, you're actually opening up to make other things that you're not good at available for you to thrive and everyone else to thrive. And I always say that rising tide um, raises all ships. And so if you do well and you need that other hand and opening it for other people to come in, and, and but what government has so to well. do, though, here, and this is the problem, right? What the problem with capitalism, and there's a problem with it. It's, oh, not, it's not. It's by no means a perfect yeah. system at all. But the problem with capitalism is it so easily moves into crony capitalism. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Particularly in our current government system, it so easily moves. In, and what we have now is crony capitalism. We don't actually have capitalism. We have crony yeah. capitalism. And when you have crony capitalism, what winds up happening is the big players win at everything, and the little guys get crushed. Yeah. The only thing that's really helped us, which has shaken things up, has been technology, right? Yeah, if you don't have, if you don't have things, places like Spotify and those and and companies like that, right? No one begins to move. Like Twitter, I mean Instagram, mm -hmm. that those things have been equalizers for lots of people. There are people who, if they didn't have Instagram or if they didn't have Twitter, they'd have never made any money. Oh, I agree. They're never their their talent would have gone away because they were <laughs> in the corporate. In the corporatist structure, which is what we have now, the corporatist structure makes it to where all of a sudden now big business controls everything. But there are two ways of handling this. There's the Republican method, do nothing. Yeah. There's a Democrat <laughs> method. Yeah. Uh, yeah, do nothing. Let it let exist. <clears throat> totally happy corporatism, no worries. Yeah. There's a Democrat level. Um, say you're gonna break them up, but still do nothing. <laughs> right? Those are the two ways that you deal with it, right? Yeah. Say you're gonna break them up and show them everything and shake your fist at them but then create so much regulation, which by the way is written by corporate lobbyists, not by the actual senators and congressmen, so that now that actually creates what's, what's called regulatory capture. The regulations are so harsh, now no one can get in. Yeah, not even the small So guy. Republicans do nothing, Democrats say they do something and then make it worse. Yeah. So all the libertarian method, which is the government should always step in when the little guy's rights are being trampled on. Mm -hmm. That, in my view, and most of the attorneys' view, is the only good goal of government. I agree. To stop people from losing their rights, to stop the little guy from being trampled on, because when a corporation decides it's going to crush you, you have no power. Mm -hmm. The only thing that can stop a corporation from crushing you is one of two things, another corporation or government. Yeah. But when you have monopolies and oligarchies, 
There's no other corporation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, so it's yeah. only government. Yeah. That's all there is. So you have to create a playing field that allows – I don't want to just have government kill all the Goliaths. I want government to support thousands upon thousands of Davids so that all those Davids can crush Goliath. Yeah. That's what I want the government to do. No, I agree. I think also uh, to go on that point, I also think that um, – Honestly, the internet was a good equalizer of this whole situation because you did have Absolutely. things like podcasts, and then I mean, one of the things I rely on heavily is Etsy. Um, but this not only Etsy, yes, Etsy was a great. It's a great tool for anyone small to be able to put their product out there, almost to the equivalent of Amazon. The only thing that Amazon has, um, or I mean, they do independent sellers as well. Um, they picked up behind all the other things because you have to think. Back in the 80s, I mean, I'm, I was born in the 80s, but I remember architecture and, and that kind of style. And you would buy all the furniture looked the same. We always make a joke about the six. Everyone had that same couch. In every picture from 1960, everyone's grandma had that couch um, because there wasn't much diversity. But then in the early 90s, we started seeing like stores pop up were just handmade goods. And then you have like Chip and Joe and Gaines where like these are independent creators coming in and people are starting to buy up these. Um, I don't want it unless it's handmade. And that was a resurgence. I don't know if that was the internet or if it was just kind of cyclical. Like it just came around where people are going. No, no, you know it, it was the internet for two reasons. I'll tell you why. Number one, the internet created community, yeah. right? So if you were someone who said, I'd like to have it handmade, and you spoke to your friend, they said, that's stupid, David, just go buy it at Walmart. Yeah, yeah. That's what happened. Uh -huh. But when you're online, you're the people going, you know what, me too. Yeah, yeah. I want, me too. And then you got four or five, eight people going, me too, I like handmade stuff. Oh my God, we all like handmade stuff. Why don't we go buy some handmade stuff? And all of a sudden now your feeling became okay because you found community. Yeah. Where in your local community, you might not have found that. That's step one, but there's step two. The way things work now, particularly with the internet and direct selling, it's cheaper and easier mm -hmm. to actually do it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. If you wanted a handmade thing, if, if without the internet, oh my God, it's it's six months yeah. and it's <laughs> yep. eighteen times the price. Now it's a couple of weeks and maybe twice the price. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole different issue. I, I agree. I think the community part is good, but I also like that because it reflects the idea of libertarianism. And and one of the like as far as the community, if more people knew. You know, like say I have my art, no one knows about it except for local because I only have local galleries sure. I post in. But now that I'm on the internet, um, now that I have a podcast, whereas in people who would be like, you know, I don't libertarian, that's got to be a joke, right? And now they sit down and listen, and they're like, hold on a second, this makes this makes a lot of sense. I didn't know I wanted handmade goods, but now that I see it, these are out there. This is I want yep. that shelf, you know, I want that. That's handmade. I, I actually think I like that. Whereas and they didn't even know it existed, and I feel like half of the libertarian party. As you're right, it doesn't have enough eyes. No one really knows it. Ex and they know it exists, but you know, what is it? Is it the Green Party? What is this? What's going on over here? Is it, it's it's like the you know like the younger brother that kind of. No, it's along. a bunch of Republicans who keep calling themselves libertarians. Yeah, yeah. who aren't libertarians. Yeah, I agree. That's it's, what it is. And I think and I think that's that's the kind of the key for and that's why I say I think libertarians vote on principle, um, not when they when they put their vote in because half the time they're not voting because they know we're going to get snuffed out. But what, what, when I voted, I knew I was like, all right, Larry Sharp, man, if he comes through, I'm gonna, this is going to be super cool. I'm, I'm all for this, but it's my first time voting. So, and I know the game, I understand it. So it's a small chance. And when I was told like, you're throwing away your vote, I'm like, hold on a second. I'm not because I'm giving my vote till, you know, 10 years down the line when, when libertarian, when they're, when people are actually going, hold on, this gap has gotten big and I'm following myself, um, partyless. You're not partyless. You're just in the center with the libertarians. <laughs> and so once people realize like, Oh, I do have a party and now there's a community behind it. There's people, there's podcasts here. And there's, I listen to this one and, th and you know, this artist, this person, um, does this, here's another, here's another quote that I've learned. This is a CS Lewis quote. But hold on oh. to your quote for a second. I want to bring the, I want to just reiterate what you just yeah, said. No, no worries. You, the internet also does something else. It's a repository for all these things. Mm -hmm. So now someone goes, this David guy, did he, does he, who's this guy? And now they Google you, and there's you know six, seven, eight, nine podcasts that, they, that they're interested in. Yeah. And they go, oh, well, I don't care about that podcast. Oh, but that one I like. I don't care about that. Oh, but that one's interesting. And now they're binging you. Yeah. yeah. Right. What, listening to things that they care about and that you care about, and you're connecting with them now. Obviously, not everything they're going to care about, right? People are different. Yeah, but some things they're going to link and be like, this I care about this, and they're going to watch it or listen to it and go, oh, oh. And that you couldn't have done 30 years ago. No, no, absolutely not. Unless you had like an AM transistor radio or something, you coast to coast at it. But um, 
Yeah, I, I agree. But that was a, like, a, along with so that. Do your quote. I apologize. No, no, I, I mean, it's kind of a nonsense quote. It's C.S. Lewis, but he was talking about um, theology and, and Christian writers, where he's saying we have enough Christian writing Christian books. What we need is good books written by Christians. And I say you can relate that to almost anything. And so when people look at my yep. be like, this is a great artist. And then when they find it, well, not only is he an artist, but he's actually nuanced about his ideas, and he thinks a lot like the things that I didn't know people were out there. And so not only do we need, like, you know, podcasters who talk about libertarian things, we need real people out there, construction workers, you know, gas station attendants. We're going like, you know what? I don't fall for the this whole tribe thing. I really have thoughts that are my own. I'm my own individual, and I can think for myself. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden, you have this giant group of people who are, you know, they're not just, you know, in in one particular circle. They're they're reaching out. And like I said, like I can, and I've said this before. I can listen to I can listen to Ben Shapiro, and I can listen to, you know, the Young Turks. Totally fine. I can do both, and I can easily because I can contrast those. I can I can see where I land, um, but I'm not. And they hate each other. And they absolutely. I mean, they. I mean, beyond hate. I, I don't even know if there's a word for it. Uh, livid. Uh, you know, just aggression. <laughs> but either way, it doesn't matter. But for me, because I can I can digest those well. Um, I can actually pick apart and, and kind of sift through, chew the meat and spit out the bones and, and understand that perspective. But that's only grown me into going. Okay, now I can, every time I hear someone, um, I have to know that this isn't. There's something to be thought about, and and I think I think everyone, if they could pull that off, they would find themselves in the center and not so far right or far left. I think they really would. And I'm I'm kind of assuming that a lot of people are like me, but I, I've I've posted things on on you know Facebook and, and Twitter, and people have DM'd me and been like, "Hey, what you said was really that's really insightful, and I haven't heard that or something." And that's not often. Don't take my yeah. word for that. That's very rare mm, when people no. are like, "I really enjoyed what you said." Uh, but I get that a lot on the podcast, and the more and more I'm realizing it, um, you know, a lot of people aren't as different as everyone feels. There are people who have harsh views about certain things, but the majority, the majority of the people nowadays are all kind of like, "Well, you know, I can kind of see both sides." And I think that's, I think, I think the, I think that's great for the Libertarian Party. I think as far as politics, I think you find good. most people are afraid of one side far more than the other. I agree. Yeah, I would say so. Most voting right now is not based upon what you want. Most voting is based upon what you're afraid of. Yeah. Yeah, you're voting against right? your if, biggest fear. You're trying to stop the Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> and I look at the last election. Most Democrats voted for Biden, not because they loved Biden. Yeah. They voted for Biden because they were afraid of Trump. Yeah. Most Republicans voted for Trump not because they love Trump, because they were afraid of socialism. Yeah. Not all. There are people who love Biden, and a whole lot more people love Trump. Trump is easier to both love and hate because he has a big personality. Yeah, big personalities, very easy to love, very easy to hate. And a lot of people love Trump. A lot of people hate Trump. Biden has a smaller personality, so less people like him and less people hate him. Yeah. Most people who like him are like, he's all right. Most people who hate him are like, really? Ugh. Yeah. But they don't hate him. They just, they just don't like him. He, so Biden, it's it's the personality matters. Yeah, Biden feels like that neighbor who um, blows his leaves into your yard, um, and that's just one of those like <laughs> uh, it's not bad, but man, really, you know, one of those kind of things. Um, I know that's a terrible analogy, but that was the first thing that popped in my head. Um, no, but I, I think you're right. The personalities matter yeah. when you're a big personality. Like Trump, you have a lot of people love you and a lot of people hate you, and he knows that. Like it's yeah. not like he just figured that out. He's known he that for that. years. I think he plays on that for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And Biden has the opposite. He's not a big personality. A lot of people don't love him. A lot of people don't hate him. Yeah. They just feel like either eh, he'll do like I mean, what was that thing? What uh, settle for Biden was like the fake <laughs> Democrats. Yeah, yeah. Or they were like he's he's fine. Like he'll do. Just go. Yeah. Return. And I think a lot of even sure. Republicans who don't like him. If you look at the 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 um the critiques of Republicans, they're not like he's evil and mean. They're like he's old, he's senile, right? It's not an it's not an evil attack on him in general. Now Harris, man, people hate Harris. Yeah, they do. They like do. they hate her, right? <laughs> but not Biden. Yeah. Yes. No, that's fair. Um. Well, look, man, I I love this. I love chatting with you. I could go on, um, but I don't want to take up any more of your time. Um. Can I, I, as many people as listening to this, and especially probably not that many libertarians, um, if they want to find you and, and learn more about, about these ideas, because you have some phenomenal ideas. There's rarely anything I listen to that I disagree with you on. Um, that, that makes well, this let, podcast let, a lot easier. But. Let me touch the piece that I think a lot of artists and gig economy people would care about more than anything else. Yeah. Licensing fees. Yeah, that's true. Licensing fees and intellectual property. Mm -hmm. These two things are out of control. 
and libertarians don't want that. Like, I'm not saying intellectual property rule, uh, laws should be removed. They should exist. You don't protect artists. Yeah. But right now what happens is corporate capture, right? The corporations capture all the IP and they keep it for literally decades. Yeah. That is unfair to all the little guys. It's unfair for all of them. That's awful. IP, intellectual property laws have to be adjusted to have a slight reward for the people who create it. Creators should be rewarded. Mm -hmm. And then that reward should be similar to, to actors who go on commercials. I agree. Over time, the mm -hmm. reward is less. Yeah. That should be the same thing. And others can use it. They just have to show respect to the people who created it. Exactly. Yeah. So you somehow reward the creators, but allow your work to go other places, allow other people to do that. That's what the future should be. And the big corporations are trying to stop that. And government can get involved and say, let's reward creators and let's let other people enjoy and grow and not support the big boys. And the second piece I would say is licensing. When you want to try something new, do something new, act in a way that gets you to make some cash on a side so you can do the thing you love, most of the time that's gig work. That's things oh, like the Uber or the Uber Eats or it's some kind of gig economy. The, the government should be supporting the gig economy, not destroying it. Yeah, I, I The government should be helping people do that also because if you're an artist – like you right now, you're doing this right now. You're probably going to need people like, you know, you're going to need a tech guy. You're going to need a graphics person or whatever. I don't want to hammer you as going to go, nope, that's an employee. Pay everything. But I'm destroying you and them. Yeah. It's not necessary. It's not. Support it's not that, that economy. Yeah, I don't. I still, I mean, along with that, the union idea, I'm a, I'm a subcontractor. So I've been doing gig economy um, my entire life. And it's something I, I heavily rely on that licensing where, you know, everyone needs to be in union because we don't want to make sure you're not getting paid enough. And I go, hold on, you have no idea what gig comedy is. I make my price like that's mine. And if it's, if I'm not getting hired, then I need to lower my price. I don't need a union to make sure someone pays. That's, that's the most. And it, it if you're on the outside, you're like, well, we want to help gig Uber drivers should be paid more and be like, well, you can create another Uber that pays more and see how many drivers you get. It's going to be hard because that means I, taking the Uber, am going to have to pay more. So that means I either want a Lincoln Continental. Like, it's going to have to – you're going to have to match this up. And so, yeah, I totally agree as far as gig economy goes. Um, to, to, be, to be in that where you want the union is – blows my mind why an artist would want to be part of a union. Like, that scares me to death um, other, unless you're just not a good artist and you need that to be able no, to No, I, I tell you why I think a lot do because it's – as many people who are independent contractors – it's safety, right? Yeah. It's fear. I understand. Right? And, and it's human nature, right? If, if what happens if I say I'm a, I don't know, I'm a musician and I start making a bunch of music and none of it hits yeah. and like none of it hits. Am I going to be able to pay my rent this month? I'm scared, but I got a union. At least my rent's paid, yeah. right? I got my rent's paid, right? Yeah, so I get it. But my point is that's why I want to support a gig economy because maybe that musician has got to go do you know, it's got to be on Fiverr, has got to be doing other stuff, has to be working for somebody else part-time, two people part-time, so they can make enough money to do their art until it does hit. Exactly. And when it does hit, they go, oh, good, I don't got to do this Uber Eats anymore because now I've made this happen. Yeah. And I think we do want that to happen. But even if it is, I mean, this is the, this next thing to realize. With transparency that we have all over, if someone's being abused or hurt or bothered as an industry, we see it. We saw oh, what was yeah. happening with Uber and Lyft without the government having to step in. In fact, the government reacted to us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Right? So, I mean, it's not that important anymore. I'm not anti-union at all. Unions should exist. They shouldn't be forced, is my point. Support the person who doesn't want to be part of a union. That's it. And if government does its job right, there's no need for unions. If government does its job right. Yeah, I agree. The reason I why totally unions agree. popped up is because government was supporting the corporations in crushing workers. Yeah. The unions had to step up, and sadly, the unions had to join the mob because it was the only group that would help them. Yeah, because yeah. government and corporations were hand in hand crushing the worker. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I didn't think about that. That's yes. the, the power behind unions be able to rise up. And I agree. I don't. I'm not mad about unions whatsoever, but I don't know how they work with a gig with a gig um, with a contractor. I just don't. Or anyone who works gigs, unions kind of make me rear up a little bit because I've seen people. Um, in normal, like if you're, if I'm a teacher and I'm, I need a teacher's union because there's not, I'm not getting paid per kid. You know what I'm saying? Like I have a, mm -hmm. it's a salary. And so I think they're two different worlds. My, that was my own thing. Like 
have a union for sure. Yeah. Like, I have a buddy who's an electrician, and he could not he doesn't have to be in a union, but he chooses to be in it, and he loves it. Yep, which is totally cool. But I also have a friend who's an electrician, and he's like, I'll never do unions because I can adjust my price according to what territory I'm in, and I don't have to play. And so I like, but once again, libertarian, you can choose. You have the choice. You have the yes, choice. choose. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm not anti union. I just want to assist the little guy in moving up in the way that they want to move up. If that's through a union, good on you. If yeah. that's not through a union, good on you. I'm not here to I'm not here to decide what you should be doing. I'm here to make sure you're not stopped from doing what you want. Exactly. Yeah. And honestly, you you're assisting the little guy right now, you know, my little podcast. So um I really appreciate it. Um love awesome, brother. I appreciate I, I it. Love the conversation. This is so much fun. This is anybody wants to see what I'm doing. Head on over to the Sharp Way. Just Google it. It's on everything, all the internet, all the interweb stuff. Yeah, it's on <laughs> Facegram and Ubook yeah. and all the things you could imagine. It's on all of them. Check out the Sharp Way. I'm on almost every night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Check it out. We can chat then. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, hey, one more thing. I did hear you mention. Uh, I think it was on one of your podcasts. You have something planned for the summer, but you haven't mentioned what it is yet. Is that something to look forward to, or did I get that wrong? I may have misunderstood. Oh, no, no. I will be announcing whether I'll be running for governor this summer. Really? That's what it was? Yes. Did I just get an exclusive? I don't know if I'm running yet. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if I'm running yet, but I need to see where everything lands and where my support is landing. If my support's where I want it to be, then I'll be announcing yes in the summer. If it's not, then I'll be announcing no and hopefully showing who I think should be running instead. Very cool. I'm definitely looking forward to that. yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, Larry, I really appreciate that. I hope I can call you Larry. Um, Mr. Sharp. Of course. <laughs> I, uh, Larry's fine. I, I absolutely love this, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, All right, my friend. Have a good one. Oh, absolutely. You too, man. Thank you. Hey, everybody. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Pardon Will Podcast. If you uh, want to find us on the socials, on Instagram, it's Pardon Will Podcast. And on Twitter, it's Pardon Will Pod. Um, and if you want to find me on my personal, um, my Instagram is pardonwillart, um, and that's the same for my Twitter is pardonwillart. Um, if you are interested in, in uh, checking out my artwork, maybe to purchase, you can go to etsy.com slash shop slash pardonwill. Um, and if you want to sign up uh, a part of the Patreon and uh, get all kinds of extra content, like extra podcast episodes, extra um, stuff that I'm doing, and uh, just free uh, art that I give away on that Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash pardonwill. And if that's too much information and you were just like, you know what, just give me something simple so I can find you, uh, you can also go to pardonwill.com and everything's uh, there. I uh, need to get on updating it. But for the most part, everything that I do is at pardonwill.com. But anyway, thank you for listening and uh, I'll see you back here next time.